Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. This is Are You Fan Jerry. Welcome to another edition of the Our Big Show. I'm here. It's Thursday. We're five days away from National Signing Day. Now, one of the most exciting times for uh, college football, and certainly National Signing Day is sort of your, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to say your Super Bowl, but the culmination of the recruiting season for those who are are really into following what's going on uh, in the college football and high school recruiting scene. Now, of course, on the show, for those who are listening for the first time, the Our Big Show uh, takes a approach where we typically uh, spend half of the show talking Rutgers football, the other half getting into Big Ten and and all the other teams that are in the Big Ten. Now, this time of year, I kind of want to get around. There's so much that you can talk about when it comes to, to uh, the recruiting game and what's going on, uh, so we're going to spend most of the time just talking recruiting, obviously, as this uh, is in the off season. I'm excited. I have a, uh, uh, a new guest on to the show, uh, Sam Hellman, from Scout from, uh, from the ScholarReport.com. Uh, he follows, obviously, what's going on with the Scarlet Knights in terms of, of both the team and, and what's going on with recruiting. This upcoming weekend is a big weekend for the Scarlet Knights as they'll be hosting a slew of our players, and, and we are looking forward to uh, getting some insight on that from, from Sam. So uh, I am ready to uh, welcome him to the show. And, and we're opening up uh, the show in the second half uh, or towards the end for some call-ins. So, you know, feel free to give me a ring. The number is 914-338-1694. And, again, that's 914-338-1694. Uh, if you want to call in about 10 minutes into the show, you know, try to get you on any, any questions for Sam. Uh, and then uh, we will definitely uh, – just open up to the audience uh, at that time. So uh, I will uh, look forward to to uh, speaking to anyone who wants to get on tonight. Anyway, without further ado, uh, let me welcome to the show, Sam, thanks for uh, coming on tonight. Jerry, how are you? Thank you for having me. Great, man. So, uh, you know, for those, you know, who follow recruiting and, and you know, leading up into this, National Signing Day, I, you know, this is kind of, uh, you know, your, your 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 go time, right? I mean, this is, you know, heading into the, the Super Bowl of the season in this last final stretch run. Absolutely. This is our, our Super Bowl, our WrestleMania, uh, our Christmas. This is, uh, this is the big week of the year for us, and it's certainly exciting. And it's really the one week of the year where all Rutgers football fans should be paying attention to recruiting. I get that a lot of people don't get excited about your average – you know, high school football player, but for this week, it's a pretty big deal because this is the future of Rutgers football. Yeah, I think it's a great point. I mean, I, you know, especially for the Scarlet Knights and, and, and Rutgers fans as it continues to mature as a as a base, uh, as a fan base. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, we can go back 10 years ago and, and see where the program was in terms of the numbers of the fans. And I think, you know, you have a lot of people who – you know, are typically in this area NFL fans and getting into being, you know, college football fans. And then now you start to find out for many of those that, you know, beyond just 
showing up on Saturdays and watching the game. There's this whole other process that goes behind the scenes, which is, uh, you know, recruiting players and, and, and how early it starts uh, for, for many of these players. And, um, you know, we talked about this being a year-round sport and how it goes from the season into recruiting and National Signing Day. Now, right now, where are we in terms of the calendar? Uh, you know, we talk about, we hear a lot about official visits and Rutgers hosting a lot of players this weekend. Uh, you know, where is that in terms of, of the recruiting calendar? Well, it's uh, we're approaching the very end of the recruiting calendar in one perspective, but, you know, there's always the next year, which Rutgers is already working on. Uh, this weekend is the final, quote, official visit weekend of the year where a lot of Rutgers uh, commits, guys that they want to get in this program, will be visiting campus for uh, 48 hours of fun and energy, as I like to describe it. It's a pretty crazy weekend for coaches, for players, for recruits. Uh, this is the last one. And then Monday is when the dead period begins. That means that contact is over with the class of 2015. They get a couple days to rest, and then the, the national letters of intent start coming through the fax machine at 7 a.m. Wednesday. And and just for those you know, now the once you sign that letter, that's it. Because we always hear about obviously you know there's verbal commitments and uh, there's soft commits and that's it. But once that letter is in on, on national sign down. Your, your national letter of intent, you are for all parts, you know, pretty much part of the, the program at that point. Yeah, unless something crazy happens, there are times where if a coach gets fired, if something happens personally, someone will get let out of their letter of intent. Uh, Jameel Pollard uh, signed with Penn State and end up, ended up at Rutgers because of personal reasons, and uh, Daryl Givens, the same way, the cornerback, signed with Penn State and ended up at Rutgers. But 99 times out of 100, where you sign is where you go. Now this um, week itself, uh, you know, leading into the the final week was a uh, you know, pretty good week in terms of news for 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 Rutgers. I would say, uh, uh, you know, first started out with the the news of uh, uh, the defensive end or the, the defensive lineman Marquise Ford, who uh, was previously committed to Tennessee and then ended up winning the Scarlet Knights, and uh, Nigel Clayton, uh, who also is a local player and, and from one of the powerhouse high schools um, ended up committing to the Scarlet Knights this week and, and then picking up uh, Harris, the uh, wide receiver, Florida wide receiver. So a pretty good week. Uh, do you have a, you know any thoughts on those three commitments and what it meant for this class? Absolutely. This is one of the best five- or six-day stretches that, that Rutgers has had in recruiting since Kyle Flood took over, I mean, these three guys that you mentioned, Marcus Ford, Najee Clayton, Juwan Harris, they're all guys that Rutgers wanted badly. They're guys that come where Rutgers needs help when you look at their positions. And Rutgers beat legitimate teams for all three of these guys. Clayton uh, could have gone to Pittsburgh or Syracuse to play safety. He chose to stay home at Rutgers, and getting a kid from Paramus Catholic is a pretty big deal. Uh, Juwan Harris picked up a Michigan State offer, was supposed to visit this weekend, said, no thanks, I'd rather go to Rutgers. And Marcus Ford literally had 30 schools lined up to see him after he decommitted from Tennessee, and he didn't even meet with half of them. He said, you know what, uh, Rutgers was my second choice originally, and, and that's where I want to go. It was a great week for Rutgers in recruiting. Yes, and Ford kind of now at this point becomes the, the marquee player in terms of his rating and, and his star power, uh, four-star player. And, and you're right, I mean, Florida guy, 
I don't think people realize the magnitude of this player who definitely received calls and looks from schools like Florida State and Florida, uh, you know, as an example. And I think, you know, he kind of, after going through that experience, uh, you know, it was not going to then turn away from someone who was there. So a great, great pickup uh, for the Scarlet Knights. Now, um, do you have a, a list or an idea of, of the players that will be visiting this weekend uh, for for that final official visit? I do. Uh, you can go on uh, on ScarletReport.com on my site, and there's a list of everyone visiting under the football recruiting tab. But uh, Marcus Ford, you, who you mentioned, he's the uh, the headliner this weekend. He'll be making his first visit to Rutgers since he came up during the summer, uh, and he'll be with. Uh, about four other verbal commits in the class. They'll all be coming up together to meet each other, to hang out, and those commits are uh, Zach Vineski. He's a center from Pennsylvania. Uh, Michael Dare, the quarterback, the longtime commit, the first commit in this class. Uh, Dante Owens, a wide receiver from uh, Pennsylvania, and Manny Taylor, who's an offensive lineman from Pennsylvania. They'll all be on campus this weekend. Uh, but the headliner, uh, as far as non-committed kids, uh, someone that Rutgers fans probably remember and New Jersey football fans remember, Kaiwan Lewis, will be on campus this weekend. And uh, he is the linebacker who is, uh, I believe, graduated from South Carolina and did so in three years. So as a graduate commit, has the ability to transfer to another school, uh, enroll in a graduate program, and then play immediately in that same year. So, uh, as I understand, it's between Rutgers and Nebraska at this point? Uh, yes. Uh, he went to Nebraska last weekend. Uh, Rutgers is probably going to be his last visit. He, he could decide pretty soon, but he's actually still at South Carolina this semester to finish up his degree, so there's really not a rush for him. Okay, so he will, regardless, then have to finish the, the April, uh, at least in, sorry, until whenever their semester finishes. So in all intents and purposes, he can make a decision at any time at this point. Right. He he won't be at his next college until May or June, so he, he's got plenty of time. Okay. Now, in terms of, of position, now, is this a player, you know, thinking back to Lou Toller, the uh, Western Michigan cornerback, uh, R.J. Dill, the, the right tackle, guys that came right in and immediately started at positions of need, uh, you know, is it possible that Lewis, you know, he's a guy who started, had some experience as a starter, uh, you know, can come right in and claim that middle linebacker position next season? I think that's very possible because, uh, you know, whatever happens with Steve Longa, whether he's at the middle or he stays at the weak side, if you bring in a kid like Kaiwan Lewis, the, you'd think that Steve Longa stays outside and Lewis battles immediately with L.J. Liston and a junior college linebacker that uh, enrolled a couple weeks ago, Isaiah Johnson. Uh, it'll be an interesting battle at middle linebacker, but if Kaiwan Lewis ended up at Rutgers, he, he's coming to play. Yeah, and I think that would uh, obviously uh, uh, with Isaiah Johnson, the other linebacker, they, you would have some interesting depth where – uh, you know, maybe at this point in the season, you, you didn't expect that. Now, the other, uh, you know, we talk about in terms of there's also some other possibilities of players that may come on late. Are are there any, you know, I don't want to say under the radar because obviously we don't know about them, we don't know about them, but uh, other kids who can end up, uh, 
you know, taking a look at Rutgers that may not be visiting uh, this weekend? Well, at this point, I would say for the most part, no. But the there is a kid, a safety named Rashard Causey out of Florida. He's a Semper Fi All-American. Uh, he committed to Florida Atlantic because he has good relations there, but he's really looking at a bunch of different options. He's a guy that, you know, maybe something crazy happens. I don't really expect it. But uh, And then the other kid, he's already visited, but Jack Shutak, the offensive lineman from Chicago, he hasn't decided yet. Rutgers is doing pretty well there, and that's the other guy I look at in these last uh, six days until signing day. Now, Shutak is the uh, offensive lineman. Uh, uh, you know, I don't think many of us are too familiar with and I understand the other program is Tennessee, uh, coincidentally enough, that is in the picture. Um, but it seems to be kind of cloudy if he is obviously going back to Tennessee and Marquis Ford. I mean, Tennessee has a tremendous class, and part of the reason that, that Ford was kind of bumped out is the numbers game. Now, uh, does Shutek have a, a uh, offer from Tennessee, and, and, and how did Rutgers end up in the picture for a kid from Illinois? Well, starting with the, the Tennessee stuff, Shutek does not have an offer. The, the staff, they've been recruiting him for about three years now, so he wants to visit there just to see everybody, to, to evaluate the situation. Uh, I think that Tennessee is recruiting him as a walk-on. Maybe there's a gray shirt offer. The, the staff told him, you know, maybe we'll talk about an offer during your visit. So I think he's just kind of making sure that he knows what all of his options are. But at this point, it comes down to these two schools, and only one of them's offered, and that's Rutgers, who uh, they've kind of been hot and cold with him uh, for a while. As they start to expand west with coaches like Ben McDaniels and Norris Wilson and Mitch Browning out into Big Ten country, that's where you're seeing these Chicago guys, these Ohio guys that Rutgers is starting to recruit. And Shutak is a guy that, you know, when Blake Camper was wavering and even before then they were looking to bring him in for a visit, and things went pretty well last weekend. Hey, you talk about some of the, uh, obviously, the, the Midwestern guys and, Kind of, it's interesting that you know it's, it's been no secret that Rutgers you know, kind of. I don't want to use the word shut out, but you know, by whatever rankings you use, I mean it's clearly not pulling in the top players this season in 2015 from New Jersey. But because of the reach of being in the Big Ten, you know, we've seen players coming in from other parts of the country. Obviously, you know, you look at got Michigan. Uh, players from Texas last year, obviously the Florida pipeline, you know, possibility of an Illinois player here. Um, I think North Carolina last year. It's, it's interesting that while Rutgers is still, or you know, recuperating from kind of the, the Rutgers, the recruiting, I don't want to say downfall, but, you know, kind of debacle that happened last season, that some of these players are becoming bridge players. And, you know, how much of just being in the Big Ten really help in that sense? Well, I think debacle is actually a pretty fair word for uh, how some of last season played out. But, uh, you know, with the Big Ten exposure, it's a, it's a good deal because a lot of Rutgers programming is going on in the Big Ten network, which is in, you know, everyone in Big Ten country watches it. It's available across uh, a lot of the United States. That's good exposure. And some of the hires that Kyle Flood has, have, you know, he's hired some interesting guys on his staff that have ties to Wisconsin and to Chicago to – 
Michigan. Uh, and that, that's smart because, you know what, if things aren't going well in Jersey right now, you still got to find football players. And Kyle Flood's shown that, you know, he'll go anywhere to find the right guys and guys that want to go to Rutgers. You know, that's uh, – you talk about combing the uh... – you know, the nation for, for players and, um, you know, those who follow recruiting, I guess that interesting story that kind of blasted across the nation about that quarterback from New Mexico who has, uh, uh, you know, pretty good film, pretty good numbers, and, and yet, you know, no Division One offers. And, uh, you know, it kind of brings in the whole discussion about how much competition plays and just players being the right place and right exposure, uh, you know, I guess from your knowledge of recruiting, like how much does that play where, you know, who you play against and, and where you're playing in, into, you know, bringing coaches uh, to come and look at you? It matters. It definitely matters. Uh, you look at, you know, the strength of schedule type stuff, uh, whether you play at a at a powerhouse school or at a school with, with roots to colleges, that stuff matters. But when I look at, at that New Mexico story, what, what I look at is the location more than anything is the problem because that kid coming out of New Mexico, probably not very easy for him to get to a bunch of camps to visit colleges because he's so far away from everything and it's pretty expensive to travel. When when you look at New Jersey, it's a lot easier to get out to, to Rutgers, to Boston College, Connecticut, Penn State, Pittsburgh, things are so much more condensed in this area that it's easier to get exposure and that's what it's about is is getting out and showing your face and competing at these events where you're from New Mexico. It might not that be that easy to find somewhere. And it's tough. I mean, I think even you, you, you brought up that in terms of, like, his ability to get to different places, just also the resources of, of you know, I've seen, I think it was Nebraska that, that put out kind of this awesome, like, graphic of where all their assistant coaches were going to be. And you see guys flying into different cities. Now, you're going to send an assistant coach out to Florida. You know, he's going to get out there, rent the car, bang out five, six, seven, eight players in the area. Same thing like you said in New Jersey. To go out to New Mexico into a kind of remote area, you got to fly in there. you got to rent a car, take a couple of hours just to see one kid. It, it becomes, I think, uh, a, I guess, a use of uh, the proper use of resources. So it's kind of interesting, you know, how uh, they go around. Now, talking about New Jersey and, you know, you going to Newark Airport and start driving, you know, an hour north-southwest, Rutgers has really turned into pretty much a hot spot in terms of the other Big Ten programs coming in and recruiting uh, New Jersey hard, right? Sure. I mean, that, it's nothing new, but now that Rutgers is in the Big Ten, it, it gives these Big Ten schools more exposure in New Jersey. It's a, it's a double-edged sword, as they say. You know, schools like Miami or – Penn State or South Carolina have always been trying to come in in New Jersey and take out the, the top guys. But now you have Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska. They're looking here, too, because they're saying, you know what, we're we're traveling to Biscataway anyway. Uh, we're going to be on TVs all across New York and New Jersey. Maybe we can pluck one or two of these kids. And New Jersey's got so much talent as a state that there's plenty of prospects for everybody, even if Rutgers did clean up and get, you know, nine of the top 15 kids in a class or something, there's still enough talent for these other Big Ten schools to come in and find something that they need, too. That's a great point. Uh, you know, kind of keeping on the theme of, of the outside, out of New Jersey players that, have, that have, are, are, you know, that, like I said, bridge to, you know, when 
Rutgers can get to that point where they start pulling in the top players. And they did, you know, under under Seattle, you know, maybe never the top five all the time, but you know, there was a point where they were locking out Penn State and, and keeping out some of these other programs. So as I said, I think they're still recovering from last year. Um, yeah, actually before we jump into that, like what's your opinion in terms of Kyle Flood's uh I guess how he's being viewed in his reputation right now as a recruiter, uh, with, you know, perhaps closing out this 2015 class, you know, at least on an upbeat, you know, tempo. Well, my, my view of him is, uh, you know what, he, he's a coach that is, he's still learning. He, he's only been a head coach for three years. He was never a head coach beforehand. He's a, you know, former high school teacher that climbed up through the assistant ranks. He never called plays. So, and he's still a pretty young guy. He, he recently turned, I want to say, 44 last week. Uh, he's a young guy. He doesn't have a lot of experience, but he's shown already that he can learn, he can make changes. He's not nearly as stubborn as Greg Schiano was when Greg Schiano was in charge. Um, you know, Kyle Flood had a lot of problems last year when he tried to take a hard line on some kids in recruiting, maybe got a little stubborn with some of them, and he, he quickly, you know, realized that and made a change, and, and there's – improvements this year it's not drastic improvements they didn't land a top 25 class this year but what they did is they took the decommitment number down from double digits to i want to say four in this class that's a pretty significant improvement as well as you know at marcus ford uh, you flip a kid from tennessee you know whatever reasons he decommits he's going to rutgers now and and they didn't really pull off anything like that last year no, that's a great point. I think it's twofold. One, obviously, you have to perform in the field. And, you know, part of it last year, they had such a good class, you know, over 20-plus kids committed very early, but the results then were not there. Some of those ugly blowouts during the season, finishing 6-6 six and six and being in the AAC at the time. Now, this year, the, the win against Maryland, to me, may go down as one of the biggest wins in the program's history because of, the positivity that it, that it just put out there, seven of five, and the dominant win over North Carolina, and and now you're feeling good. And like you said, great point is, you know, he made mistakes, but this time around, you know, he corrected it very quickly. And I think we saw that. We saw that. We saw that with him willing to bring in, you know, even from the offensive coordinator position to bring in a, a person who has credential, coaching credentials that are better than his as a head coach. So. I think that's a great point that you brought up. Um, but specifically, I wanted to talk again about some of these players that they are bringing in um, out of state. One, uh, you know, we, we talked about this week Clayton Lewis, but, uh, you know, Jawan Harris, um, you know, it looks like, you know, Rutgers may have really got this. Another guy who was, a, you mentioned Florida Atlantic, who was a Florida Atlantic uh, commit, and, you know, kind of reminds me, you know, maybe not specifically, uh, you know, the same type of players as Marion Grant, but, picking up this late Florida wide receiver late in the game, you know, what kind of impact do you think he may have uh, in his time here? Don't let, what I'll say is don't let the FAU commitment fool you. He is a, he, he is a talented kid. He's a very, very intelligent kid, and he comes from St. Thomas Aquinas, which is that's kind of like the Don Bosco prep down in Florida. It's a great mm-hmm. program. And, and the reason that he was committed to FAU for so long was because he, he was really close with that coaching staff, and they showed him a lot of love early when the other Florida schools didn't. But as soon as his uh, senior film got out, leading receiver at St. Thomas Aquinas, schools started lining up for him, and Rutgers had been recruiting him already. I, I like the addition. 
Janarian Grant's an interesting comparison. Obviously, they're different players, but you know, you look at a Florida late edition wide receiver, and Grant is, uh, I mean, that's the ideal kind of pickup, and you would hope for Rutgers that Harris can bring that same kind of, you know, Florida swagger and toughness that guys like Janarian Grant and Tim Brown have brought Rutgers in the past. Do I think he's going to play right away? No, but you know what? Rutgers isn't exactly deep at wide receiver beyond Leontay Cruz, so we'll see what he shows in the the summer. You know, another part of um, you know, the recruiting game, obviously, you know, getting out there, getting coaches out there, uh, building relationships, but, you know, obviously just identifying guys before some of the other schools uh, do. And, uh, you, you know, Sticking with Florida, Rutgers has a commit from from last year, I think, or very early in the year, in June. So, uh, Jarius Adams, the uh, defensive back, who has been committed to to Rutgers for quite some time now, uh, it, it seems like his recruitment has exploded over the last couple of weeks. First, when word came out that uh, Jim Harbaugh wanted to go down there and take him a visit, uh, then Ohio State got involved. I think Kansas ordered. Uh, offered and, and now we're hearing on um, Wisconsin. So this is kind of a crazy story. Now, can you uh, get an idea? You know, it's kind of listed as a soft, uh, even up on on your side as a soft uh, verbal. You know, where where is Rutgers now in terms of his quote unquote list? Uh, or you know, he's committed to them, but obviously Michigan's coming strong, and now we're hearing Wisconsin's in play. Yeah, well he. Jarius Adams will tell you he's 100% committed to Rutgers, but you have to keep in mind that this is a 17-year-old kid saying this, and are you really 100% committed when you're taking an official visit to Michigan this weekend? Um, Adams had a great time in New Jersey last week. Rutgers showed him a good visit. He bonded with the recruiting class, but Adams also told me he grew up a Michigan fan, so that's where he's going this weekend, and we'll see what kind of sell Harbaugh gives him. I don't know how badly Harbaugh wants him. I don't know if it's a must-have kid for Michigan, and I don't know how upset Rutgers would be if he decided to move on and maybe they had a little more space in the class to do something else or, you know, get a transfer. That kind of stuff will work itself out in the next six days, but it really is a 50-50 coin flip right now because Rutgers has done very well with Adams over the last year. But you know what? Sometimes Michigan's Michigan, and that Harbaugh name is a pretty darn big name. I mean, I think that especially in the case of Michigan, who has, uh, I think, something like five or six kids committed in their class, so, you know, he has the ability to come in and target certain guys and come out. So, uh, you know, again, I guess, you know, when you think about it, let's you know, regardless of, of, of Adams, whether he comes and goes, Rutgers, I think, obviously, because of what happened last year and so many decommitments, uh, perhaps you know Harbaugh and his staff, and they say, hey, let's go attack a Rutgers. And, and can you give me an idea? Of, you know, we know at this point behind the scenes, a lot of these guys who were committed to Rutgers, Lonnie James and players like that, must be getting still recruited heavily, and, you know, how much credit does Flood and the staff need to get for, I guess, keeping this class together, too? Yeah, well, you know, recruiting, it really comes down to the relationships a lot of the times, and some of these guys just have really good relationships with Rutgers, and the staff has stayed on them. Uh, You know, Ronnie James, for people that don't know, is Paul James' little brother. That's a pretty good relationship, so 
when Ohio State offers him during the season, you know what, he ain't interested. He wants to play with his brother next year. Uh, a guy like Rondell Carter, who is a defensive end from Maryland, he picked up a lot of other schools going after him after he committed to Rutgers, and, and he said, you know what, Jim Panagos, the defensive end coach, that's my guy. I'm playing for him. Sorry, I'm not interested. So no matter who comes in, he wants to play for the assistant coach that recruited him. you got to credit the assistant coaches for keeping a lot of these guys committed because they're the ones that are talking to them, visiting them the most. And uh, you know what? They work hundreds of hours a week. They they work an incredible amount to try and keep on these kids. And that's what you're seeing this year. It's not that they didn't work a lot last year, but I think that they're better guided this year. They're all more comfortable with Rutgers, and that's why the decommitment number is down. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously the one loss record, 8-5, and five, and then the fact that at least you take away the stability part of it. Uh, you know, I think, you know, let's just, you know, get ready. You know, sure, Cody, right? I think that was the one thing that James Franklin had last year, uh, particularly with some of the guys that can turn. And then with the 2015 kids, you know, you come in right away like, hey, that, that coach is not going to be there next year. You know, come over here. We're going to be building up great things at Penn State again. And, you know, that that was the sell. But this year it kind of wasn't there. It's like, hey, I'm, you know, look at the season that we had. And, and not only that, I've been kind of telling people, you know, adding Harbaugh to this division and looking at Ohio State winning a national title, throwing Penn State, obviously, Michigan State. I mean, this may end up being the best division in college football, if not one of the best, without a doubt. So I think that's a selling point for Rutgers as well. Uh, you know, one guy we mentioned talking about Penn State, but uh, Kamal Seymour was another one where Penn State was trying to get him to go over there and visit. So, um, you know, great point in terms of what you said, uh, the staff doing a, a good job uh, of keeping these guys in. Now, you know, question I have for you for being, you know, around the program and being, uh, you know, with with these these guys and seeing it, you know, in hand, uh, is, is there any approach that they're doing different uh, besides, you know, we've heard about, you know, not taking that hard line or, or you know, getting – into looking towards this 2016 class now, right? Um, how are they approaching that class different and the lessons that are, are, are learned there? You know, you, you mentioned the softening of the stance. That That's something that had to happen uh, in letting kids take other visits. You know, they let Kamal Seymour, who you mentioned, they, Jarius Adams, they let these guys take other visits to be sure that Rutgers was the right place, which wasn't how they reacted before, and I feel like they have been less aggressive in going after the early commitment. We need you to commit to us now. We need you to commit in May. Commit now or never. You're not seeing as much of that. You're seeing, you know, Kyle Flood let these kids decide on their own time. He was in Jack Shutak's house yesterday and told him, you know what, we'd love to have you, but take your time, take your visits, and we'll talk about it. It's that kind of stuff that, that – those kind of changes are, are, I think, some of the best changes that they've made in recruiting. And then as we look to 2016, you know what, they, they've got a lot of relationships and they've got a lot of, you know, uh, they've dug in pretty well with some of these top kids in, in 2016. But it, it's going to be hard to fend off Ohio State, which we saw with Kareem Walker. It's going to be hard to fend off Michigan and Penn State. And Rutgers is going to have to find a way to do it and maybe change and tweak something to get that initial recruiting spark and get things going. 
you know, you know, of course, I, you know, I got you on here. I got to get your opinion on the 2016, uh, you know, it's an amazing collection of uh, of kids and and particularly star power. And you mentioned uh, the running back, Green Walker, who was going to Ohio State. But there's also at the quarterback position, uh, James Garantano, of course. Um, and and then you have the defensive tackle, uh, Rashawn Gary. Uh, but let's start with the quarterback position because it's such an important position. Garantano, uh, this is 2016 now for those who are not, not uh, you know, obviously doesn't he still has a whole other year, but there is there still a timetable that he may be, that he's looking to commit within uh, this next month? I would expect a decision from Jared Guarantano sometime in the next few weeks to a month. Um, it, it, sometimes they wait until after signing day to kind of see exactly what is coming into the schools that they're looking at or to make sure that the assistant coaches they like aren't leaving. Uh, sometimes, you know, a kid like Garantano might drag out his recruitment a little bit to get more coaches in at Bergen Catholic to get his teammates' exposure. Uh, but I, th- I think that uh, within a month is a realistic time frame for him to make his decision. And then, of course, Rutgers is also in with uh, quarterback uh, Haskins out of Maryland, uh, who's down pretty much from sounds like between Maryland and, and Rutgers. Uh, you know, what's your gut feeling um, with this quarterback situation? Do they get one of these two? Uh, do they get shut out? You know, uh, how do you think it's going to end up? At this point, if, if both of these guys were deciding today, I would say I wouldn't expect either one to choose. I would not expect either one to choose Rutgers. Now, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Ohio State because it, it, it's been looking for a while like it's a race between a lot of quarterbacks, whoever commits to Ohio State first and then let the dominoes fall because that's the the kind of the premier spot is that quarterback job at Ohio State, especially when you look at how those three kids did this year for the national champions. Now, say say that Garantano commits to Ohio State. Well, then Haskins has some changes because he also likes Ohio State. Say that Ohio State takes uh, the quarterback that – uh, decommitted from Michigan last week, then then Rutgers is the instant leader for Gorantana. You know, it, it really depends on how that first domino falls before everything else happens, but Rutgers has started to look at other quarterback options, which is a smart thing to do. you got to cover all your bases on this one. All right. You know, obviously they have Bear coming in uh, with this class, um who is a three-star quarterback. Uh, you mentioned some other options. Uh, who are some of the other quarterbacks we're looking at for, for the future? Well, the the one kid that they most recently looked at is, is a kid named David Moore. He's from Georgia, from one of the big-time programs down there, and a lot of Big Ten schools are also interested in him. Uh, that's a guy that Rutgers just recently made contact with that I think that they're interesting in, and I could see them offering him uh, there's a quarterback in the Rochester area named Todd LaRocca that's interesting to me. He's got a lot of ties to the Quentin Gauze-type players at Rutgers, and you know, I've seen him play pretty well at a few camps. Uh, Bob Frazier is close with uh, the people up in Rochester. Those are those are two kids that I'm looking at. Um, Sonny Abramson is the kid from Pope John in North Jersey that's committed to Virginia right now, but I could see Rutgers taking another look at him. 
I don't really expect Rutgers to act on any other quarterbacks until both Dwayne Haskins and, and Jarrett Garantano have decided their future. Definitely, definitely. So, uh, you know, we'll, let's circle back um, to, you know, 2015. It's just you can't help with this 2016 class uh, to just, you know, get excited and start talking. I mean, really, they already have three good players already started and, you know, Ted Field and Muhammad Jabby and Jonathan Pollock. So yeah, uh, very it's, good. it's a like good start. Yeah, I mean, they're all, you know, solid, high three-star guys that, that – you know, are a great foundation for a class. So, you know, like I said, we can, we'll be talking a lot about this 2016. But, you know, back with the 2015, uh, guys, in terms of, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot more in college with these uh, early enrollees uh, who who will finish high school early or, or, or maybe they're coming from um, prep school uh, and get into this the program in January and, and kind of get a jump start. Now, uh, this year, I think Rutgers has four or five uh, of those. Um, any, I guess, color on on some of those players like Austin and and uh, Isaiah Johnson, Roberts. Yeah, well, I, I guess I, I mentioned Johnson a little bit earlier. He's he's a middle linebacker from a junior college out in California that is enrolled now and. Whatever happens with Kaiwan Lewis, he's going to be a guy that battles for that middle linebacker spot with LJ Liston. He's got three years to play too, so you could also redshirt him if he's maybe doesn't look ready when you see him in the spring. Uh, bless, <clears throat> bless Juan Austin. I really like him. He's a guy that I look at as someone that can contribute right away if things go well. He reminds me a lot of Drake Boggs. They bring him in uh, from a prep school, so he's a little more refined. He's a great athlete. He's originally from New York City, so he knows the area. He knows Kyle Flood, and he's a kid that, with some of the injuries that Rutgers has had at corner, he's someone I could see playing this year. And then the other two guys at defensive end, John Badeke, who I, I like, works hard. Uh, he, he's one of our highest-rated commits in the Rutgers class in our scout rankings. And then uh, linebacker Deontay Roberts from Brooklyn, He's an outside linebacker. He's a little small. He's a kid I look at as a redshirt guy that needs to bulk up, get a little stronger. Reminds me a little bit of T.J. Taylor, someone that needs to get a little bigger and get into the system before you can expect much from him. Yeah, you know, exciting. Um, you know, with those five, uh, you know, who are coming in, and, and obviously the, the potential of, of closing out this class, uh, you know, on a, on a higher note. Sam, I, you know, we, we, I don't want to keep you on for the whole time. Uh, I do appreciate you coming on to the show. Uh, do you have a couple more minutes? Uh, you know, I can maybe get get uh, some calls and, and uh, you know, work from there before uh, letting you sign off. Sure, yeah, I have about five more minutes. So I want to welcome um, back to the show uh, a, a call, Michael, who comes on, been on a couple weeks uh, uh, in a row and appreciate him calling in. Uh, Mike, welcome back to the show. Hey, Jerry, thanks for having me. Hey, Sam, how's it going? <clears throat> hey, Mike, how are you? Good. Now, Mike, you know, since I got Sam here, I wonder if you have any questions that you want to reach out to him that he can help you, um, whether it be, you know, uh, on this particular class or, you know, some of the things that, that may happen in this next uh, final week uh, heading to National Signing Day. Uh, well, what, one thing I, I wanted to uh, bring up and get Sam's opinion on, because I, I actually 
was just hopping on now, obviously. So I don't know if you guys covered this at all, but Sam, I was curious your opinion on Bless Sean Austin. Yeah, Mike, I I, uh, I really like Bless Sean Austin. He's one of my favorite kids in this class. I went to uh, I went to see Sidney Gopre play when they played against the Princeton JV team this year. Austin's on the same team as him, and, and man, he's a really really good athlete. He's got a good cornerback body. He played quarterback at high school in New York, so you always like a guy with that quarterback experience. If I had to pick one guy that I want to see play as a true freshman, it would be Bless Juan Austin. Yeah, I, 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 I'd agree with that. And uh, so I guess the ne- my next thing was, you know, since, since early on in the recruiting cycle, uh, two two of the guys, and this is kind of more, more of a uh, agree, disagree, and kind of get your opinion on it, but from the get-go, um, you know, two of the two guys in this class, aside from Austin, uh, that I thought were really vital to the class, and I thought were very, very under, you know, very, very underranked. But I thought they both have star potential. Uh, on offense, one would be obviously Charles Norway, and on defense, it would be Kamal Seymour. Uh, curious as to what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, I like them both. I, I will say the disclaimer that I, I don't do the scout rankings, so yelling at me will not change it. Not saying that you did, but, but you know what? I don't even. There. I, I have to be honest with you. I have no idea what they're ranked on scout. <laughs> we have them both as uh, as solid three stars. Uh, my thing was Norway, who I went to see him play this year, and he ran for 250 yards and four touchdowns. And it turns out I saw him on a down day. With you look at his stats <laughs> at the end of the year. Um, I like him, but my thing is he's five nine, one sixty five. Got to give him a little bigger before you you play him. So I would love for him to redshirt and then come into that running back mix once PJ James is gone, once Hicks and Martin are a little bit older. That's what I think is ideal for Snorway. And then and Kamal Seymour, I like him a lot. I'm not sure if he's a deep tackler, an offensive lineman yet, but he's got a good body and he he's a really he's a smart kid that you can tell that that's the kind of kid that the coaches want to get their hands on because you can really build them into an imposing-looking lineman, which is what Rutgers needs now that they're in a Big Ten. Yeah, see, that's, I think uh, you guys, Mike, you, you you bring up two guys who are perfect examples of, of you know, kind of what uh, Sam brought up with, with, you know, guys that would be good candidates for redshirting. And I think, uh, you know, we talk a lot about that with, the, the model of Michigan State where they they pretty much redshirt everyone. And I think Rutgers hopefully can get to the point where he could bring in these kids and start to redshirt them and, and comfortably where you don't need them to play right away. I think these are two players that, you know, look at them now and then look at them in five years may be a totally different thing, you know, which, would, would you know, benefits from redshirting. Oh, I, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you on that one. And, and like Sam said, you know, my my thing, the the one the one thing that I I loved about Snorway, I mean, as Sam said, he saw him on a down day, and the kid rushed for 250 yards and four touchdowns. Um, you know, the one thing that I think he brings to the backfield that we don't have, and obviously we have quite a bit of talent in the backfield, but the one thing that he brings from the to the position is. He's the one guy on the roster who does have that, you know, what I call elite speed. You know, a kid who can really, you know, he if he hits a seam, nobody's catching him. So I, I do agree completely, though, that <clears throat> between the depth and the fact that he is light, um, you know, he could bulk up and he could use that redshirt year because it would be, you know, 
there's no reason to rush him into action for for any means. Um, and you know, if he can get up to, you know, so I don't, I, I think Seb said he's about 165 now. But you know, with a, 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 a solid redshirt year, if he could get up to you know 190 pounds while maintaining his speed, and then you know down the line somewhere be two two oh five with the speed he has, I think he com- he becomes an absolute terror. Um, and you know, sa- same kind of goes with Seymour. I-, I was shocked to hear that on his official visit he weighed in at two ninety. Um, I saw the pictures and I compared them to the photos from his unofficial. I think it was last April, uh, and it was pretty pretty evident that he filled out a lot. Uh, especially in the shoulders, uh, chest, and biceps. Um, so he's he's definitely a big boy. And, you know, I, I think if the circumstances were different and he was a kid who had been playing football all of his life, I mean, I have no doubt that he he's, uh, w- would have been a high four-star kid, but because he has the, such a limited background in football, um, he, he needs the redshirt year just from a – uh, you know, a technique standpoint, he has to just learn the game better, kind of, you know, similar to what we went through with Kamoko. Um, but, you know, really, when you look at him, you really can't draw up a better look at D tackle. Um, so, so those, those are two kids that I'm, I'm really excited about. Uh, and then the, the other kid who I just, oh, I feel always has to get some love, especially when talking about the 2015 classes, Nakia Griffin, because, I mean, he's just, he, he looks fantastic from a physical standpoint. And, you know, the work that he's put in behind the scenes to help recruit for this class. Um, he Although, I, I, I will say, I, I think because of Croft's departure and obviously going into the draft, um, you know, Nakia, being from Bergen County, um, I know the, the level of competition they play, and it is very, very weak that this, the... Uh, the talent that they play on a yearly basis. So it is going to take him some time to get caught up to the speed of the game and and get used to the level of competition. But I think from a strictly a physical standpoint, um, I think he'd be able to play as a true freshman. Uh, But it remains to be seen how quickly he can catch on and get acclimated and things like that. Sam, uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on on Griffin and uh, you know, before I let you go, I, I do have one uh, kind of question, non-recruiting for you. Sure. So the quarterback position, of course, for next year, because we always talk about, you know, the future and, you know, what's going on. But uh, do you have any dark horse or any favorite in, in this, uh, you know, probably most important battle that Rutgers is going to have next year? Uh, you know, obviously between Hayden Redden, uh, you know, Laudiano, I don't even know if every signal has, uh, you know, also a play in there. But, um, you know, what's your lead favorite at this point? True. I guess firstly on Nakia Griffin, what I'll say is uh, if fans that don't follow recruiting are, are looking for a guy to get excited about or looking for that future team captain, Nakia Griffin's your guy. He's a, He's a great kid. He's a good athlete, but uh, as far as the quarterback position, I am uh, I'm betting on Hayden Reddick to win this one. I think that Chris Laviano gets the experience edge, but he was pretty limited in, in what he did last year. I don't think he showed enough to emerge a, as a big time leader. I think Hayden Reddick fits more of what Ralph Friedgen wants to do in his offense. He's got a big arm. He's played against guys at LSU. He played at a tough school in California. 
I think that he's the guy that wins this job. I think that Chris Lamiano plays this season, too. I don't see one quarterback starting all 13 games. Good point, good point. Well, Sam, I appreciate you uh, coming on the show, and uh, you know, definitely would love to get you on after all the craziness is done uh, next week. Uh, you know, I know you'll be busy, but uh, you probably really enjoy it. So, um, you know, have fun uh, while you're uh, covering uh, you know very important week uh, for not just Rutgers, but all the college football teams across uh, the nation. No problem, man. For people that missed the beginning, you, you can find me at scarletreport.com and uh, at Sam Hellman Scout on Twitter. Great. Thanks a lot, bud. Thank Take you, guys. Take care, Sam. See ya. So, Mike, now before we uh, move on, I wanted to touch, because I know you, you know, as you mentioned, you're a Bergen County guy, and, and probably, uh, uh, you know, we know you follow the uh, parochials, uh, you know, pretty closely, uh, uh, give a little bit of color of what you know about um, you know the story of, of, of uh, the possibility of the Paravis Catholic coach uh, Chris Parches coming. You look like you know he's potentially coming to Rutgers. Uh, that seemed to fizzle out. Um, you know I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. And then you know where do you think he will end up? Uh, because you know as we mentioned, you know the Big Ten. While it's been great, also the exposure that Rutgers is getting, but. Uh, the Big Ten is really hitting, obviously, New Jersey hard, too. Yes. Well, you know, so so basically, you know, Partridge, there, there was a lot of back and forth. I think there was a lot of misinformation out there. Um, you know, ultimately, Partridge came out and said that Flood, Flood had his contract ready, and Partridge, uh, you know, told him he wasn't ready to make the decision. And at that point, they decided to go their separate ways. Um you know, there's really no reason to beat a dead horse at this point. Um, I think despite all of the, uh, you know, despite all the things that people have said about Partridge and, you know, so, some of the, the kind of gray area that comes along with him, um, I, I, I won't say for a second that I don't think he would have been a, a nice addition to the staff um, just for the simple fact that, Take forgetting everything he did at Paramus Catholic and turning them around in five years and winning two state championships. What the the biggest asset that Chris has is he's a younger guy who's able to relate to the kids. He completely changed the culture at Paramus Catholic, and that would have been something that could have been tremendously helpful on the the Rutgers staff. Um, you know, EJ e. Barthel is another great example. Um, you know, he he's same same type of mold. Obviously, he doesn't have the, the the coaching background that Chris does, but that's you know to to really get these kids that we want to land in the Big Ten. Obviously, you need those pre-existing relationships with with them, which obviously EJ has, Chris has, etc. Um, <clears throat> but I think moving forward, because these battles are going to be so intense, um, you know. Coach Flood, I know there's a number of open positions on the recruiting staff right now that they're looking to fill. Um, you know, uh, ultimately, I think what the best, what would be in Rutgers' best interest is to bring on some younger guys who are able to relate to these kids and build those relationships and, and help attract them. Because I just having a conversation a little while ago, and, um, you know, even even if and you know not saying it won't happen, but you know even if the whole you know 
big three with, you know, Rashawn, Jarrett, and, and Kareem, even if they had all chosen to come to Rutgers, and they could still very well possibly, who knows. Um, but the the point is, even if they did, this wasn't going to be a scenario where they would come and then all of a sudden next year the top 10 or 15 recruits out of New Jersey would have all came to Rutgers. It's a slow. It's going to be a slow process. So, you know, to me, if we can, if we can land, you know, three to five, and five obviously being kind of the cap where I see it really maxing out. But if we can land somewhere between three to five of the top ten in New Jersey this year, then gradually over the next two three years, add one or two to that number. Um, that that's going to be the best way to go. Uh, in regards to Partridge. Um, I'm hearing that by the weekend it should be made official that he's going to be up at Michigan. Um, <clears throat> he is. I, I don't. I don't know exactly where they are in terms of negotiations, but from from what I was told, um, sometime over this weekend it'll probably be. It, it'll probably get out that um, you know he's he's taking a job up there, and I'm not sure exactly in what capacity, but something along something similar to uh, what he was going to accept with, with Rutgers. Well, I mean, that's, it's, it's, that's a, it's a, it would be, you know, not something that's obviously surprising, but a, a big development in terms of that, you know, clearly um, someone on the staff in, in, in Michigan, you know, I, I use, we talked about Jarrett Adams has, has targeted, uh, you know, Rutgers and targeted, you know, in New Jersey, uh, you know, as a a priority, which uh, yeah, you know, the the biggest. You know. Uh, I'll t- I'll tell you right now, and you know, the 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 biggest thing, Jerry, is that I I don't I, I know a lot of people their their concern was, you know, with with Partridge on staff at, at Michigan, he's going to be able to attract a lot, of, you know, more New Jersey kids to to Michigan. I don't necessarily think. That is what the biggest issue is going to be. I think the what's going to be more problematic is just Chris's intimate knowledge of North Jersey. So some of these kids that you know we've been able to land out of New Jersey because they've been under recruited or you know not so highly ranked because of Chris's intimate knowledge of of this area. Um, you know he'll be able to tell the Michigan staff, look, you know, for example, this is just a completely random, but, uh, you know, a kid like Kamal Seymour, you know, that that would be a kid that, you know, he didn't end up with, he ended up with a bunch of offers, but that's the type of kid that, because Chris is familiar with this area, he would be, he would tell the Michigan staff, look, this kid may not have a ton of offers, but, you know, he he's I've seen him play or, you know, I've done the research on him and, you know, he's definitely worth an offer regardless of what all the, the services out there say. So I just think, I think, I don't think he personally himself will attract kids to Michigan. He may in certain circumstances, obviously he has a relationship with Rashawn and a couple other kids. Uh, but I, I think just his 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 knowledge of the the intimate and inner workings of the northern New Jersey non-publics, um, you know, he'll be able to give them a better insight as to just how talented some of these kids really are. Um, you know, Donald Stewart is a kid, for example, who I'm very very high on. Um, 
I, I, I don't have a doubt for one second that he's a Big Ten caliber receiver. Um, I, I'll be shocked if he doesn't have, you know, 15-plus offers when all is said and done. I think right now he's only ranked as a two-star. But he, he's he's the perfect example of a kid who, you know, Michigan may not have gone after in previous years, but because Chris knows him and, and knows what type of player he is, Michigan, you know, he he would go to Harbaugh and the rest of the staff and say, look, this kid is a quality player. This is the type of kid who can contribute here. And that's where I think we're going to get into more battles, not necessarily just for the top kids, but more of those mid-ranked kids that Michigan normally wouldn't go after. I think that's where we'll see his impact more so. Interesting point. Interesting point. Uh, so I guess we'll, we'll have to first see if it materializes, and then second, um, uh, you know, and I'm sure also, uh, you know, I don't want to say, but the you know Brady Hoke's relationship with uh, uh, Joe Peppers was out there, and and you know we heard it wasn't, of course, the best thing, and, and I think probably helps um, bringing Partridge in and, and you know helping to get the best out of a player like Peppers probably, you know, something in the back of their mind, too. But we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I think, as you said, that's something that's going to be a little bit more in the future than than, than anything else. So, you know, obviously we talked a little bit about this final class and some of your, um, your you know, thoughts on the players that, that they're coming in. Um, plenty of time to talk about 2016. As I said, it's kind of just a polarizing um, class. But uh, in terms of... Any guys that in New Jersey for 2015, you know, we're talking about Kelly, Gonzalez, people, who are, you know, some of the players that you feel like, ah, those are guys you just wish would have ended up uh, at Rutgers? Uh, well, you know, uh, obviously, you know, the, if, you, if you have the chance to land a kid like a Minka Fitzpatrick or, or a Brandon Wimbush, you know, those those are two kids that you, you would take all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. I guess I probably um, should have maybe phrased it a little more, because I don't think we were really, you know, those are guys that probably would not have ended up in Rutgers anyway, but yeah, I, mean, I, I some I, of those, I, you know... More realistic, op- yeah, more, some more realistic options... You know, I, I would say, um, you know, the, the the two or three kids that I would I would say I I really would have liked to see uh, end up at Rutgers that you know at one point or another were considering Rutgers. Uh, obviously, it would be Jawan Johnson. Um, you know, I think he he could have been. Uh, I was a bit surprised that he decided to take his own path and not really and not follow his older brother and, and you know keep the tradition alive within the family. Um so he he's one especially with the you know the success we've had with bigger receivers. Um so I I I was a little surprised by that. He's a kid I would have liked to have. Um another another Penn State recruit that that I did like a lot um what is uh Di, uh Daquan Kelly, uh Daquan Kelly, excuse me. Um, and Irvin Charles, Th- those are two guys who I both liked uh, for different reasons. Um, you know, Kelly, Kelly, I see being a receiver. Uh, I'm sorry, Charles, I see being a receiver. Kelly, I see being a guy who could potentially be a linebacker or safety. Um, so, so those are two other guys. And then the last guy would obviously be Tommy Hatton. Uh, 
he he's a kid that has been on the radar for a very long time. Um, really disappointed that it looks like he's going to end up at UNC because he he is talented enough that he'd be able to come in and push for a starting job as a true freshman. He has the the strength, the build, the tenacity. Uh, very smart player. Um, so so those are the kids that you know in this class. I would say if there were you know if there was some we could cherry pick, th- those would be the kids that I'd say. You know, those those were the battles I would I wish we would would have been able to win. You know, I, kind of um, I, the way it's going these days with with the commitments taking place so early. Uh, you know, it really was a difficult situation that that Rutgers was in with this class. Uh, you know, after what happened to the 2014 class, so. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to keep, you know, kind of bring it down, but, you know, we do obviously have to talk about that, you know, it's 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 getting shut out of the top ten in, in a very talented state. It's, it's still tough to deal with. Um, now, you know, as I mentioned, they, they look to be doing well in terms of 2016 and, uh, you know, kind of filling in with other talented players for this 2015 class as, as records is definitely with the season that they had, prove to other players that, you know, this is not a doormat program. So, uh, you know, there's going to be kids who, you know, will, you know, potentially would have preferred to have been at other Big Ten programs uh, or other Power Five schools that will come here. And these are kids that have, you know, chips in their shoulder. And, and uh, you know, we've seen, like, with Janarian Grant and players that are going to help the program. So uh, it's it, a lot to be said and still a lot of football to be played with all these kids. So uh, it's kind of, you know, fun to watch, but they still have to produce once they get there. So, uh, you know, National Signing Day really is not going to probably be much of a surprise, uh, We, you know, yeah, in uh, that I, sense. But it's changed I mean, a lot like that, right? I mean, yeah, you know, with, of, with, with kids committing so early these days, um, you know, I I think I read the stat today that out of the entire Rivals 100, um, there are only 18 kids who are still currently uncommitted. Um, To me, that's kind of absurd because, you know, years ago, you know, signing day would be, you know, a a huge deal because so many kids would be making decisions. I remember a few short years ago, uh, you know, ESPNU was was running a, a full day program on kids announcing on National Signing Day because you know there was thirty thirty five kids who still had not made their decision that were waiting to hold out. But you know because the timeline is pushed up so so much and the fact that kids don't want to lose their spot and obviously the elite kids don't ever lose their spot, but you know the kids don't want to lose their spot and. You know, other kids they want to team up and and help recruit for for the teams that they're committed to. So, the the whole timeline has just shifted forward. Um, so that that's really you know I I do I agree with you a hundred percent. I don't see this signing day being uh, very eventful for us. Um, I, I think there's always the possibility of a surprise. Um, I don't necessarily have one in mind that I'd say I, I think is 
you know, uh, a strong possibility. Uh, I think there may be one floating around that could happen, uh, but we'll see what happens with that. However, at the same time, um, you know, I, I think maybe even more important, and, and I'll, I'll get to this point right shortly after, um, you know, I, th- I think maybe even more importantly than letting things get down to signing day, I think this past weekend was very, very, very important for us. Um, you know, we we were able to flip Harris from, from Florida Atlantic and get him to commit to Rutgers and then obviously shut down his recruiting and not take that visit to Michigan State. Um, and then, to me, the even bigger commitment was Najee, was Najee Clayton. Um, I, I know I know you'd mentioned you wanted to talk about him a little bit, um, so I'll just go I'll go into go into a little bit on him. Um, <clears throat> you know, not Najee is a kid who four years ago, as he was an eighth grader coming into Paramus Catholic was ranked as one of the top 10 incoming freshmen in, in the entire country. Uh, and, you know, he's a four-year star, starter for Paramus Catholic, multi-year captain, a kid that everyone at that school looks up to, has a lot of respect for. Um, his future looked to be on the offensive side of the ball at wide receiver, and he went from being a, uh, you know, six foot, six foot one, 185-pound wide receiver with, with you know, great speed and acceleration, and he kind of hit this growth spurt out of nowhere that shot him up to 6'3", 215. And once that happened, the coaching staff for his junior year kept him on offense and still let him play wide receiver, also used him a little bit as a tight end, but he he stuck only to offense. Um, you know, this year they decided, you know, being that he got so big, uh, that they would use him on the defensive side of the ball, and he played that strong safety rover type position for Paramus Catholic, and he did a, a tremendous job this year. Um, you know, he he's a kid that we got very lucky on, and you know, uh, the, the it was good to see that despite everything that has, had you know transpired the past week between Partridge and Rutgers. Um, you know that he didn't try to dissuade him, and he was completely—he was a hundred percent in his corner. And he even went so far as to tell him that he felt Rutgers was the best fit for him. Um, so, so Najee is a kid who, in my opinion, uh, you know, I, I've said multiple times, uh, you know, on on this show as well as you know on the message boards, we we need to increase the size of our defense at every level, not just D line. Um, you know, we, we need to get bigger at linebacker. We need to get bigger in the defensive backfield. So I, I'd love to see Najee stay at, at the at safety. Um, but, you know, bet- with, with Hester, they, they both play that same position. And I don't know that uh, Najee could, could – he, he's a talented enough kid that he could play free safety. But at the same time, I think because he's just continuing to grow – it's almost like a Jabril Peppers type of situation where Jabril just outgrew cornerback and they, they Michigan just recently moved him to safety. Um, I'd love to see I'd love to see Hester and Najee playing safety side by side, but I think you know a redshirt year for Najee this year, barring anything unforeseen. Um, I don't think it's unrealistic that he's, you know, 6'3", 225 by the time after a redshirt season, maybe even a little heavier. Uh, And I think his future is probably at the Sam linebacker position, 
But in any case, we got a great player, uh, you know, tremendous young man, uh, very well respected, and and I know that he has a a, a lot of influence at the uh, in that Paramus Catholic program. So I, I could see that paying potentially paying dividends down the road. Um, so that that's one thing, um, and then the other thing that I, that I alluded to briefly was um, you know the one thing that stands out to me as we started to talk about how signing day is probably going to be quiet. Um, you know, really, Shutak is the only kid that we're kind of waiting to see what happens, um, and obviously. Jarius Adams, um, you know, even, and I, I think I mentioned it last time I was on, I had said all along that no matter how well this Rutgers visit went for him this past weekend, I didn't see, I, I, I just did not see any way that he would cancel that Michigan visit. I think it's just too intriguing for him to pass up. Um, whether he sticks or not, I think as of right now, I'd probably put it at 60-40. He stays committed with Rutgers. I think there's a very real possibility that he could flip. Um, being said, one of the things that I think is being overlooked right now simply just because of the timing and with signing day coming up, but something that I'm sure we'll get into a little bit after signing day is that the staff has done a tremendous job of getting preferred walk-on commits. Um, you know, we we've, we landed... A punter, obviously John Bowers from Bergen Catholic. We landed a, a, a preferred walk-on kicker who I watched his film and saw him hit a 60-yard field goal. Um, I think I think the film had him kicking from distances ranging from 25 back to 60, and I think he hit uh, I want to say 12 out of 13 kicks. So he he's got a strong leg. And then we have the, uh, the the two receivers from uh, from New York, uh, Alex Bodine, and uh, the the other the other kid's name slips my mind. Um, and then just recently, obviously, we got the we got the commitment from the player from Pennsylvania, who when I watched on film, I was extremely impressed by. Uh, he's pretty. It's pretty clear that you know I. I I remember from reading he played defensive end for his high school and you know at 6 foot 1 210 pounds obviously you're not going to be getting the offers from Alabamas of the world um but the the way he plays and the intensity his speed the power uh he he's a kid that I think could could really blossom um I don't know exactly where he would play right now um you know I think Middle linebacker, if if he is a legit six foot one, um, you know he he he's he he's got that thumper in him. So I, I could see him potentially lining up at middle linebacker in our defense. But I think fullback could also be a very distinct possibility because he he does have very good speed. Um, so that that's one thing that I think is being overlooked for the for right now. That I'm sure you know come out a little bit more and get a little bit more publicity after signing day. But the staff has really done a nice job getting getting some of these preferred walk-ons because these are all kids who normally, they they all had, you know, offers to play at the lower level, and I'm sure they had, more, I know a number of them had uh, other preferred walk-on offers from schools. So 
the staff did a really nice job landing those kids without having to use the scholarships for the time being. That's a great point. And I think a lot of that probably has to do with it's it's much different style now when, uh, you know, I guess when, you know, if you're looking at playing in the, you know, American Athletic um, or, you know, going down and the Colonial Athletic and getting some playing time versus, uh, you know, the opportunity to play in the Big Ten no matter what, whether it's for a walk-on, it's something that's probably a little more appealing. But, Mike, appreciate you coming back onto the show. You, you know, your depth of uh, knowledge and uh, is very much appreciated. So I'm sure, you know, you enjoy the rest of this uh, week. As we said, probably not much going to change. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned the big, you know, shoe tack, uh, you know, whether Adam sticks, uh, uh, still waiting on the decision by Lewis, which will probably be later on, though, uh, you know, not in conjunction with National Signing Day, but, uh, you know, a, a decent finish. And, and, you know, I think most importantly, keeping the positivity that's been emanating from this program since the win and the comeback win against Maryland, uh, you know, it's just vibes that get sent uh, throughout the state and throughout the program that uh, I think are, are, are much needed. But I appreciate yeah, you I, coming on and uh, look forward to uh, talking to you again in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me as always. And I uh, I look forward to, to getting back on with you after signing day to do a little recap and uh, start taking a look towards 2016. Definitely. Thanks again, bud. All right, Jerry. Have a good night. Hey everyone! Thanks again for listening to another uh, good show. The uh, the uh, big show here. This is Argue Fan Jerry. Make sure to check me out at Twitter on Twitter at Argue Fan Jerry. And um, want to thank uh, Sam Hellman of the Scarlet Report dot com. Uh, been wanting to get him on the show. He was great uh, to talk to. And uh, check out that site. Uh, you know, pretty good articles there. Um, yeah, typically I have guys from rivals on here, but I'm, you know, don't have any preference to anything. I think the coverage that, that we get for, for Rutgers, uh, Rutgers football, where it's coming from the many different sources is great. I mean, that's, you know, kind of why I do this. I think it's, it's fun to do. And, um, one of the things I think surprises many people, you know, outside of, of, in, in, from some of the other schools in, both the Big Ten and the countries, the following that Rutgers has, particularly, you know, on these message boards and, and uh, you know, it it's it's you know, part of the whole you know, I was we've here all the time but sleeping giant, but uh, you know, there's a there's a tremendous following for the program and uh, you know, there's so much talent in the state that we can talk about. Uh, uh you know, as I said, it, it, this class, you know, Rutgers possibly may finish in mid forties with this recruiting class and you know, that's still done with probably going, you know, being totally shut out of the top twelve, fifteen players in his own state. And yeah, you know, it's there's a lot of potential, obviously, uh, that will start with the minute that National Signing Day is done on, on Wednesday and the look will go towards two thousand and sixteen and that potential of of bringing in some some star players and, 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 and a class that would also be indicative of, of a conference and division that may be one of the toughest in, in the country. So look forward to that. And, yes, as, as Mike said, um, next week and next Thursday, looking forward to a recap of, of this uh, uh, 
uh, class and, and uh, kind of pitching some of the storylines for the next uh, the next year. So anyone, for those who are um, uh, listening to the show for the first time, thank you, and I will uh, hopefully be announcing during the week that I'll be getting this on iTunes if I can get that going and uh, kind of uh, hope to get some more uh, regular callers as well. Thanks again. This is Are You Fan Jerry, and talk to you next week.